Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Well, it's good to have you this morning. Good to see you in church. You know, there's so many thoughts just as we get started. There's so many thoughts around COVID, hey? And... There's people that want to comply with every law, and there's people who think the whole thing's a conspiracy theory. There are Christians who believe it's the end of the world. There's all sorts of crazy, accurate, weird, wonderful, half-truths, full-truths, no-truths thoughts around COVID. I can tell you the one thing the Bible definitely says about the time in which we live. It says to do this. It says to gather together. It says, and when you see the day of Jesus, maybe the close of time approaching, says do it even more that you might all be mutually encouraged, that you might be built up in your faith. And so, good job, well done. I'll leave you to your conspiracies and everything else. And, and um, I don't know, I, I got both jabs yesterday and so my words are now penetrating you with mind-bending thoughts. That's all I know. I know that's true and uh, obviously not true. All right, just in case you're wondering. And I didn't get both jabs yesterday because you're not allowed to do that. All right. Ready? Here we go. Katie, can I get the, the um, tunnel vision there? There's this moment in, in 2009, um, and I was here at this precise place, and uh, that was my, not those exact vehicles, but that was, that was the scene, and, and I remember it. It was this inconceivable um, moment in time and I remember the thought I had in the moment that was this. How did we get here? How did we get here? I don't mean the M5 tunnel so I could pay the next toll. I mean, how did we, where I was about to, so I was in, the, in a car with a longtime friend of mine on a, our way to visit another person very close to us. And th- these had been two people who, like, you know, in terms of my living for God and believing in God, they'd been really heavily involved and they'd been pretty, um, pretty what, what a Christian would call, if it's foreign to you, they'd call like, like a devoted, seriously committed Christians. And, and so the guy next to me had been that and the, and the guy we were going to visit had been like that. And, and, um, and, and here I was in this moment and that man driving the car who just picked me up from the airport his, he'd blown up his marriage, he'd blown up his life, he'd blown up his business. Everything that was important to him was in absolute disarray. And we were on the way to visit this other person who was sitting in a prison cell. And I'm in the car in that scene going, how did we get here? How did that person and that person end up in this situation? It was, it was inconceivable to me. It, it was as inconceivable to me in that moment as it is in this moment that Ronnie would end up in prison 8 to 12 weeks from now on fraud crimes. Now, the, Bron might end up in prison because she hugged people in COVID, but she's not likely to end up in prison because of fraud. That's how inconceivable this situation was. And yet, it's exactly the place where we found ourselves 
in this inconceivable place. How, how did we get here? And that is how life goes sometimes for people. How did we get here? And, 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 and having gotten here, what are we going to do about it? Because, because have you ever found yourself there? Have you ever been in a place where there's no judgment today? Whatever's happened has happened. Whatever has been has been. Where we are, we are. And there's the grace of God cries out to us to walk into it and to know his grace. But the reality is, no matter how much grace was in that moment and no matter, no matter how much grace there was and how much presence of God in that prison cell, there was still the fallout of everything that happened by the decisions that they'd made. How did this happen and, and what are we going to do about it? That's what I want to talk to you today. So maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you're not there at all. Maybe you're in a great place, but but maybe we are there. Or maybe if we think about it deeply enough and honestly enough, the decisions we're making, the trajectory on, we could end up somewhere we never anticipated. And so today I want us to think, think about that and help us with this. How did, we get, how, how did it get to here and what are we going to do about it next? And so as we go to chapter 3 in Galatians, we're in our Galatians series, and we've got a kind of how do we get here moment and what do we do about it next moment going on? And, and there's, this, there's this situation and, and Paul's about to bring them a solution. And so remembering that we're working through the text in our midweek Bible studies uh, or in our 8.30 service and there's daily devotions um, that if, uh, I don't know if we can put the QR code up there, Katie girl, um, but you, all you've got to do is hold your phone up to this QR code It'll take you to everything, to giving and to Galatians and to studies and to all, everything that's going on. It's, it's almost a miracle. And, and, and it's coming up. So, but today we're going to talk topically. We're going to speak to your and my Monday as, a, as we go to Galatians 3. So listen to this, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Paul, being a gentle kind of soul, says this. You foolish Galatians. Ronnie put it beautifully this morning. He said, you bunch of idiots. How did we say Australians might say it? You foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Remember, not, not only did they get communicated the story, this is, you know, 80, 60 odd or somewhere there. It's, so there, there were literally people living who had been at the death and resurrection of Jesus. They were, they were, they were not the eyewitnesses but they were friends to the eyewitnesses, many of whom would pay for their confession with their lives, like these people actually did see Jesus resurrected or you would not die for what you believed in. And, and so these people knew of or even knew these people. Uh, they certainly knew Paul who had met the resurrected Jesus. And so uh, he, he's writing to them, he's saying, hey, you've seen um, gee, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly betrayed as crucified I would like to learn just one thing from you. Who knows? He's not really there to learn anything. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain at all? So he starts, he says, hey, you, you Galatians, you, you've got to know. You're acting like a bunch of idiots, and uh, you've been conned. It's pretty straightforward. Remembering, remember the context, Paul loves them, he's for them. Saying, but I want you to know you've been conned. You, I don't know what's happened, but you've been conned and you know better. 
And it's a bit like, I don't know if we've got it there, imagine getting this email headline um, coming into your inbox this week uh, to Darren. Are you an idiot? Who got to you? And what were you thinking? How would you respond? Would you be like, I can't wait to click on that and see the good news this morning? What have we got going on here? That'll be awesome. That's what Paul's got going on here. He's saying, hey, where are you at? Where you at? It's not good. The trajectory of this, it's, it's even worse than you think. And so last week I talked about the conversations that need to happen and all of that. You can go to that. I don't want to go there. But this is another one of those conversations. And, and Paul is urgent now. He's, he's addressing them and going, hey, this needs action right now, Galatians. This, this needs to happen now. It needs your full attention and this needs to be apprehended. This is suddenly big and I need you to get on top of it right here and, and right now. And so let's zoom in on what's going on here um, for a moment and then we're going to zoom back out to your life and mine and, and, and take the principle and put it to work in our own lives. Paul goes on, he says, I'm astonished that you were so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Jesus or the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. And then he goes on in Galatians and says, even if I were an angel from heaven and um, if I should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let, let, um, let them be under God's curse, if anyone should, sorry. Let them be under God's curse. He's like, how did you get here? And, and Paul says he's gutted for them. Actually, in the very same chapter, I think, that we're reading, he says that he's, he, he feels pain like childbirth for them. Now, if you're a woman and you've had a child... I've noticed that you, as a general rule, take deep offence when a man thinks he understands childbirth and the pain of it. Um, but I'll just point out to you, whilst uh, Paul hadn't had a child, clearly, nor did he have an epidural, and nor did he have the painkillers you have. When Paul says this, it's very probable he's been in the next room without anaesthetic when a child's been born. And he's saying, the pain inside of me, having to have this conversation with you, man, this is hurting me, and this is eating me up, but I love you too much to leave this thing alone. And so he says that, and he's clear about it, he's direct with them, and he says, how did you get here? How did you, how did you get in this place, and what are we going to do about it? And he brings them to it. And, so he's, and actually what the problem is here is they're, they're polluting or diluting, they're adding to and taking away what he calls the gospel, the, the message of Jesus, the central message of the Christian faith. And, and he's saying, hey, you, I, I, don't add to it and don't take away from it. it in, in, in this instance, he's talking about them adding stuff to it. Isn't that the nature of humanity? To add what we think it is to be good enough for God and get comfortable with that. And that's what they're doing. They're trying to bring their culture into it and they're trying to bring what they're comfortable with is making us right with God and adding to it. He's saying that doesn't liberate anybody. That just makes life worse. Every time you add a rule or a layer or a thing that doesn't need to be there, you're just doing damage. He'll go on later in the book and say, in the same way, seeing you've been liberated by what Jesus has done, don't use that to live however you like. And he explains it. He says, don't live sexually immoral. Don't, don't live um, with selfish ambition. Don't live with jealousy and envy. Don't create factions. Uh, all these things, and he says that is what he calls, essentially we could call license. And he says, don't walk under law and don't live in license. Let your life be centered on the liberty that comes from the message of Jesus, which he explains. He says, Galatians chapter 3, Christ, Jesus, has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, 
he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. At the cross, he took upon himself the sins of us all. In Romans, he writes, The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He's like, um, he goes on and he says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, through doing stuff, um, Jesus died for nothing, Romans 3. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe, Paul says. There's no difference, not between Jew or Gentile, Gentile being the rest of the world. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified before God freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Jesus. God presented Christ or presented Jesus as a sacrifice for atonement, for a sacrifice for our sins. He adds, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Jesus died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Romans adds again, for if while we, Paul writing, if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, that's how we were reconciled to God. Thank God for that. How much more having been reconciled to God are we saved through his life? And then Romans 5, he says, the death he died, speaking of Jesus, he died to sin once for all. And Paul's just bringing it back again and again and again and going, this right standing with God that you have come to and live from. It's because of Jesus. It's not because of what you've done and it's not because of what you'll do. It's because of him. Don't be put under a bondage of anything that would try to add to that. Stay true to that. Don't stray from that. Don't stray into law and don't stray into license. Live in the liberty that comes from what Jesus has accomplished by the cross and through his resurrection for all who believe. And Paul's clear and he brings them back to this. Put your hope and trust fully in him and and he brings correction. And, and, and you know, at one level, it feels like an overplay by Paul to me. Like, is it really that big a deal that they've added a few things in Paul? Is it really that big a deal that they want to add some religious activity, some tradition and law? And Paul's like, you bet it is. Because look of where it's brought you to and think about where that trajectory leads. And and Paul's got an eye on the future. And, and the reason Paul understands it is because this is what Paul came out of. Paul understands that, that if you start living under the law, this is going to be a tyranny to your life. And, and this doesn't end well. Um, how did we get here and what are we going to do about it? I was, um, I, when I was 18 years old, uh, I, I started working after school at 13. I trained pretty well or worked every day of the week after school from about the age of 13. I either played and trained or I worked. And that was my life. I was a hard worker from a young age. And um, that's why I tell my kids, you don't need a job yet. You can have your whole life to work, but they haven't listened to that. Well, Lockie has. Good boy, Lockie. Um, but the reality is I worked hard. And then by the time I was 18, I was working for my dad. My dad packed up very quickly, moved into state. I was living with my dad. I soon found myself out of a job, out of money, and nowhere to live, sleeping on my friend's couch. 18 years old, a family dispersed from Sydney. And uh, it was a Sunday night, and I was broke, and I was late home, and, and, and my, my you know, potential footy career was in tatters. The West Tigers had sat with me and said, hey, Daz, this is where we're at. You know, we need you to get it together kind of thing. And my life was just, uh, it was all over the place. And I remember on a Sunday night, I couldn't get into the place where I slept, was sleeping on the couch. And I was on the street, 
barefoot because my shoes were in the house on a Sunday night without a cent in my, to my name, ringing my auntie reverse charges, going, can you please come and get me? And you've got to know, it was one of those, how, how did I get here moments? Because you couldn't predict someone who worked as hard as me and who was as disciplined as me and who'd been captain of everything there most of their life. You couldn't predict that I would end there. But decision by decision, little by little, I ended up on a Sunday night on the street, no shoes on my feet, not a cent in my pocket, ringing reverse charges from what they used to call the payphone guys um, to my auntie, can you come and get me? Decisions, little decisions. You know, if you're young, this one, little decisions have got big impacts. The good news is that when we think about how did this get to here, God's plan is that that be true in reverse. Is that you and I, I can honestly look at my life and go, how did I get to live this life? How did this happen to us in a good way? How did, how did I get that woman? How did she get me? <laughs> well, you know, maybe she did some bad decision making, but either way, either way, how did we get here? How did we get to do this? How did we get to be here? God, you've been good to us. That's, that's God's intent. That's God's plan is that we would be saying, how did we get here in a good way. I don't mean multi-zillionaires, but I mean living under the blessing and favour and peace and grace of God every day of our lives. That's his plan for us. That's his plan for you. That's his plan for me. But, but it's so easy to find ourselves in the other place. How did it come to this? And what are we going to do about it? So I just want to give you three things as we zoom back out from the Galatians. So I just want to give you three things I think really help us in this space. Here's number one. How did I get here and what am I going to do about it? Number one, just got to own, own this quickly. Own this quickly, where, where, where I'm at, you know. I've got to own this quickly. If I find myself in a place or on the trajectory to a place, if I think about it deeply, how did I get here? I need to, I need to own this quickly, own where I'm at. And, and the risk is if we're not there yet. You know, some people don't own a thing quickly. And then something happens and then they own it. But, and, and that's good. There's grace for that but it doesn't need to have all the fallout. It could have been so different. And some people get to the place where all hell breaks loose and, and they still don't own it, which that's insane. But if we will own it quickly back here, you know, we all have stuff that if we will own it quickly here and now, we avert what could happen somewhere down the future, in the future. And, and let's not be the blamers. You know, some people blame, some people excuse, some people reason it away and all kinds of things. They dismiss it, they justify it, they won't hear it. And, you know, we don't want to be those kinds of people and, and because the, the, the reality is that, you know, those kinds of decisions are left unattended. They have pain attached and trajectories that don't end well and we can see something other than that. So own a thing quickly. Um, you know, in, in my own life, I recognise that, that sometimes I get attitudes about people. I do. And I don't like it. It's ugly. I don't want to have an attitude about anybody. Um, I had one just the other day, actually, and I was driving along and I was just out of sorts about a thing. I was, I was annoyed, I was frustrated, which is my, in my natural emotions when I'm not happy about something. And I said to Brian, you know, and she went, uh, made a reference to a person that um, was actually true, by the way. Um, and she said, what about you? And I went, oh, 
yep, I'm in trouble. And the reality is, you know, I could have said, we're not talking about me, are we, Bronwyn? If we wanted to talk about me, I would have raised it with you. And she would have said, uh, no, you would not have. <laughs> the, the reality is that she was right, Bronwyn was right. What I needed to do next was own this quickly. And if I would own it quickly, something good could happen. God can move into that space and start to work. But until I own it, and if I don't own it quickly, I'm now in a place where my heart can get harder and harder and harder, and I can reconcile it, I can defend it, I can tell you why I could be justified in my decision, but it just doesn't cut it. And so I need to just own it quickly and go, hey, you're right. It is the way it is. And so while we're here, I just want to bring something up that Bron didn't own quickly that I'd like her to address right now. And so they, not really, obviously, but just think about you, think about attitudes, think about relationships. Even relationships, can I be honest, even relationships that are a risk. What about those things? Let's own it quickly before it gets us on a trajectory that could be more painful than we dare to believe I can tell you the person that was sitting in the prison cell that day, it was inconceivable. We're talking about a good person who made bad decisions. We're talking about one of the most blessed people I'd ever met in my life, sitting in Long Bay Prison. I'm like, what? How did that happen? Let's make great decisions. Let's address it now. Let's own it quickly. Let's own it quickly so that our how did it get to here can be a very different story, like the God story of how we got here, the good story in Jesus' name. That's number one. Number two is this ends now. Just got to, don't play with it. Just this ends now. This stops here. Don't let next happen to us. Let's happen to next, right? That's, that's a nice sentence, but let's do that. Let's go, no, no, I'm happening to next. I'm taking charge of that attitude. I'm taking charge of that behavior. I'm going to own it and I'm going to take charge of that behavior. I'm going to own the attitude. I'm going to own the behavior. I'm going to own the risk. I'm going to own the temptation. I'm going to own the whatever it is. And I'm just going to take charge. This ends now. No excuses. An interruption. An inter, what is it? An intervention. Sometimes we need to have our own intervention in our own lives. Just an intervention that takes charge. Don't deny it anymore. Don't let it sit. Don't excuse it. Don't reason with it. Don't justify it. Don't deny it. Don't, don't lie to ourselves and say, this is all right, this is not that bad. When other people are telling me that this is harmful and this is hurtful, let's actually come open. Sometimes, you know, even as Christians, sometimes I'll hear people say this. Well, Holy Spirit hasn't spoken to me. Yeah, he has. He just used a human. Sure he has. You just won't receive it from a human. That's called pride, not humility. Let's hear what needs to be heard so that we can get on with what needs to happen, what needs to happen in our lives. If my theology's headed off track, this ends now. If my, I'm clicking on stuff that I've got no business clicking on, you know, this ends now. Flirting with danger on the fringes, this ends now. Fading in my devotion to Jesus, let's just cut it off. Let's end that now. Let's get it sorted. Let's make great decisions. Let's just, let's just do it. Getting hard in my heart, this ends now. And then number three, who before what? And I really unpacked this last week. Um, so I don't want to talk about how you do that, but I want to ask you this question about who. See, Paul was the right person for the Galatians church um, because of his history and because of he was fired up about law. He hated law. It's like, oh, let me out of here. I hate law. Now, Bron 
Bron is the right person for a grace conversation because Bron grew up in a church that was very law-like, very legalistic. And, and she's repulsed by legalism. She is full of grace. She becomes the right person for that conversation. Who, who, who's the right person for the conversation? The voice we invite in next will prove pivotal in this. Who is the voice you and I need in the mix right now? And, and I don't know if I touched these last week, I, but here's a way to test who it needs to be. Number one is it's a high trust. That person has a high trust history. Like they, they, they've got a proven record of having the right conversation in love the right way, all of that. The, the person loves God and is for us, is, is for you. Not someone who's got a bit of a doubt, question mark over the, who they're for, but they haven't got an agenda. They're for you and they love God. Number three, they'll tell us the truth in love. Number four, they'll deal in biblical bottom lines. So important to deal in biblical bottom lines. And number five, and I think this is the big one. If you find someone that's for you and for me, that is ready to risk the relationship for our best, and that is a person to win our life. Prepared to risk the relationship in our best interests. That's a person we want in our life. That's not a person to shun, put to the side, be offended by. That's a person to invite into the conversation. Life. The Bible says, as I wrap, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. An enemy multiplies kisses. Now, I'm not talking about someone who comes along and wounds us every day. Um, I'm talking about someone who's for us every day, but sometimes there's a wound in love that actually is for our best in Jesus' name. Hey, who's, the, who's the right person into your life right now? You know, uh, who, who is that for you? Who does it need to be? There are some people who are great friends of mine, but in a moment like these, they're the wrong person in the conversation because they'll tell me what I need, what I want to hear, not what I need to hear. Who's the right person? Who's vital for you? And invite them in because God has a different, how, you know, how did I get to here in mind? He has a very different one for our lives than others would. And he wants to take us all on that journey. Jesus' name. Amen. Hey again. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.